Hello again, and welcome to this episode of Design Thinking Africa's podcast with me, your host, Maria Jones. Today's episode is talking about something very close to my heart, and that is this idea of creativity. So many times in organizations, when we are called upon to think outside the box, some people really don't feel up to that task. They might even call themselves unimaginative. They might even roll their eyes and shrug their shoulders and say, well, I can't draw. I can't think outside the box. I'm not creative. So in today's episode, I really want to share with you my own journey in developing my creative confidence and competence and also share with you some of the resources and practices that have been very influential. As I've shared with you in our introductory episode, I come from an immigrant family. My parents originally came from India and they moved to South Africa where I grew up. Growing up in an immigrant family can have its own pros and cons. The pros were definitely that I learned from my parents how to be resourceful with what little we had. But some of the cons include having a type of scarcity mentality impressed upon you at a young age. Let me explain to you how that played out in our family. As a kid, I was told that art was nice, decorative, more like a childish hobby. And so we shouldn't try to spend too much money or effort on it. What this meant is as a child, my parents would give me art supplies which was more like recycled scraps of paper and whatever pencils or paints they had lying around. What that taught me from a young age is that my creativity wasn't important and that I shouldn't waste time or money or effort investing in it. I had never been inside an art store I had never bought or ever owned any professional quality paper or equipment of any kind. And yet these are the actual resources that one needs in order to practice a craft. The other thing that I learned from being in an immigrant family is this idea of constant competition as opposed to collaboration. This idea that opportunities are so limited. You must always be fighting with others to get what little you can get your hands on. In that kind of a scarcity mindset, it's very hard to build upon the ideas of others. You're actually taught to constantly criticize others. So in some ways, I would say that that background has been. This brings me to my own definition of what creativity is. It's not necessarily just about art. To me, creativity is generating alternatives. For example, alternative uses for something or alternative ways to reach a goal, alternative interpretations of something. Notice 
I didn't say anything at all about originality. In fact, as many of you know, real artists steal. This was really prominent to me when I attended an art exhibition in Basel, Switzerland. The theme of the exhibition was on cubism and the curator did an excellent job talking about the different artists who were active in the cubic movement as well as what were the things that influenced them. That was the first place where I learned that someone as famous as Picasso was actually influenced slash stealing from other artists. The very first artwork in that exhibition was one of Picasso's earliest works and right next to it was displayed a face mask from Congo and one could clearly see how Picasso's painting was pretty much an exact replica of that Congolese face mask. Sure enough, his latter works were a bit more original, but it was heartening to know that even someone like Picasso started off stealing. And that is why I don't put much emphasis on the need for creativity to be about originality. That need to be the first and the best, that serves our ego, not necessarily our craft. This brings us to this idea of the creative mindset. What is that? To me, it's a mindset that focuses on abundance and possibility. One way to evoke that is by asking questions like, what if, how else might we, or where will this lead? That type of mindset really focuses on the process rather than the outcome. One exercise which I found really helpful is collaging cutting out words and pictures from magazines and newspapers and laying them out on the floor and then choosing specific ones that speak to you and pasting them either on a paper or on a wall. That kind of divergent and convergent thinking really helps to instill our creative minds. I'd like to recommend three books that have been absolutely eye-opening for me as I unlock my own creativity. The first is called Learning by Heart and it's by Sister Corita Kent and Jan Stewart. This book was so enjoyable for me. It really unpacked aspects of being creative that seem like they just happen naturally for some Sister Corita has unfortunately passed on, but I really wish that I could meet her. She sounds like such a legend. I really enjoy the aspect of the book that focuses on the difference between creativity and analysis, seeing creativity as a building up 
process and analysis as a breaking apart process. The authors argue that we should keep those two functions separate, that when we are creating, focus on creating, and when you are analyzing, focus on analyzing. Never should the two be mixed together. Imagine you're writing a novel, and at the same time that you're writing it, you're trying to edit it. These authors are suggesting that those two processes are fundamentally different, and so you should keep time aside to do each one in turn. Another one of their points in the book is this idea of building on the ideas of others. And this comes right back to what I said earlier about the creativity mindset. You can only build on the ideas of others if you are not threatened by them, if you do not feel the need to compete against them. The wonderful thing that happens when you build on someone else's idea is that it's no longer their idea. Suddenly, it becomes our idea. And that is such a wonderful transformation. The second book that I will wholly recommend is A Somewhat Creative Bible, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I've read, reread, and triple reread this book, and I've enjoyed it every time. In it, the author, Julia Cameron, who's a well-known playwright, provides a real breaking down and an understanding of the mindset of a creative person, the kind of self-doubt that they struggle with, and how they can go about developing that creative confidence and competence. Something that she says in her book, which has always spoken to me, is this idea that your most creative self is like a child. However, just because that part of you is childlike, it does not mean that it is childish. I feel that's an important distinguish, distinguishment to make because oftentimes when we run design thinking workshops or you see brainstorming sessions, you see people using crayons or paints or colorful sticky notes and somehow there can be a sense of childishness and playfulness in the room which doesn't exactly speak to the childlike nature of our creative selves. Not all children want bright colors. Sometimes to tap into that childlike state, you need to go back to certain practices and habits that you had as a child. Maybe it could be eating your favorite snack. As a child, perhaps you liked cotton candy or candy floss as it's called in some places. Just eating that snack transports you to being a child again. Small practices like that can awaken that creative mindset within ourselves without having to resort to finger painting and other more childish activities. The third book 
that I would really like to recommend is Lateral Thinking by Edward de Bono. Another well-recognized expert in the field of creativity. He puts forward an excellent argument to the definition that I've just given of creativity, this idea of generating alternatives. And he provides scientific explanation for what he coined the term lateral thinking. This brings me to the final part of this podcast, which is about the creative lifestyle, the actual day-to-day living of creativity. This is probably one of the hardest things for me personally, watching my parents who were both school teachers and had essentially a nine to five type of job. For me to incorporate creativity into my life requires a very intentional approach. I need to ensure that I have a lot of alone time in my day. I spend a lot of that observing. One of my favorite hobbies is bird watching. Bird watching is an excellent way to train that part of your mind about observing, not just looking at birds and identifying them, but really seeing them in their habitat, seeing their behavior, noticing the vegetation, the weather, what kind of fruits or flowers they're attracted to. That's been a great tool for me in honing my observational skills. It's also so important for me to balance the physical stimulation that I get, whether it's through music, exercise, walking in nature, with my alone time, that time for reflection and recharging my batteries. And the last part of my day, which I've only recently started enjoying, is mundane activities. Hear me out. I'm talking about things like ironing, chopping vegetables, shining my shoes or sweeping. These are not activities that are particularly enjoyable. Where I I can, I try to delegate these. And yet, I find that those mundane activities are so important. They're known as incubation activities. A time when ideas move from the conscious to the unconscious. And in the past, I've had many great ideas just come out of the blue while I'm doing mundane activities. But the trick is to do them with joy, with a little bit of intention and a whole lot of attention. I wish you luck on your own creative journey. I hope that what I've shared with you today, the mindset, the resources, and the practices have been something that you can see in your own life and incorporate something new. And I hope that you've learned something new as well. This brings us to the end of this season of the podcast. I'm very excited to put together another season of the podcast and in that we will deal with a very different theme. Until next time.